You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Zach. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little tired. Uh, so as you know, we have a six-month-old, Ledger, Ledger Layton, not Legend, like a lot of people think. <laughs> Ledger. I am legend. Not like Heath Ledger either, although the spelling is the same, but we did not name our son after Heath he was, Ledger. He was not inspired by Heath Ledger. He was not inspired by Heath Ledger, no. No. But yeah, he's uh he's good. The last last couple of nights have been rough, man. We're uh going through the whole sleep training process and uh my wife's a nurse and so she's been working night shift and so every couple of nights during the week uh, I have daddy duty midnight, and so I'm feed, I'm doing the bottle thing, and um, so yeah, so I'm I'm not getting a lot of sleep on those nights. Do you think that uh, your wife being a nurse, my wife is also a nurse. Um, do you think your wife being a nurse like puts more pressure? They feel more pressure to like get these things get do, these things be right. Be the perfect mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, every mom, I guess, feels that pressure, and us dads are kind of like, well, I'll tell you take what, take it easy. Mom blogs definitely don't help. I think that <laughs> <laughs> the, it definitely puts this expectation on moms to be the perfect mom. Like we did it, mom blog. We did it this way, and if you don't do it this way, you're a failure, mom. <laughs> I think that that definitely is there. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. I told Becky she needs to stop li- reading those mom blogs because oh they're gosh. not doing her any good, just doing harm. So, so the the latest kind of struggle has been has been getting getting the sleep schedule on, huh? Oh gosh. Well and yeah. I I come in at night and it's time to well sometimes he's crying before it's time to sleep. So we're trying to stick to a schedule, right? And Becky goes, I he shouldn't want to eat until three in the morning, whatever it is. Except he'll wake up at ten and then eleven and then twelve. And I'm like, gosh why aren't you doing, you don't, do, you don't seem to be doing this with mom. Why now that you know, mom's gone and I come in and it's not mom and there's no, there's no, uh, boob. He's, he right? smells. He <laughs> smells. He's right. sm- one of these things is not You're, the same. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a total disappointment with dad. Imposter. <laughs> dad. Uh, you're fun during the day, but I don't want to see you at night. I want mom. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he just, he knows mom's gone by the third time I go in there and it's not three o'clock and he's wigging and, and then the, and then the impatience starts to swell within me. It's amazing how, I don't know about all you dads listening out there, but we're just going to be open and honest right now. It, there's this in, impatience in me that I didn't know I had. <laughs> And so he he freaks out. He won't. He, he I'll even try to give the bottle right, and it 
he doesn't want to take the bottle because it's not the same as what he's used to. And it is so hard to be patient with a six-month-old who has no idea what's going on. Oh, yeah. He just knows, I'm hungry. This doesn't smell right. You're not mom. I want mom. And he doesn't understand mom can't come because she's working and is 45 minutes away. Right. And the way that he expresses that isn't, hmm, dad, where's mom? Yeah. It's like, and and when you're tired and three in the morning and you've had a long day of work and 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 all you're hearing is screaming in your ear oh man it it's it's hard it's hard yeah. to be yeah. it's hard to be patient it's hard to um it's hard to you know yeah it's hard to be patient through that and and not feel that not allow that anger with with <sighs> someone who there's no reason for me to be angry at this kid yeah. He has no control over what's happening. Now, six, seven, eight years from now, yeah, uh, we're going to be dealing with some <laughs> some sin issues that I'm going to have to walk him through, but right. we're not there yet. He's, <laughs> right. he's just a little baby that doesn't have any control, and it's it's hard to not get... It's, not, it's hard not to get angry at oh, yeah. a little six-month-old. So that's just me, me being honest. Well, I can second all of that. <laughs> I'm just... Uh, I'm like a month behind Zach. So um, Zach and his wife had their baby. And then a month later, we had ours. And so I get the benefit of of watching the sleeplessness <laughs> and the, the struggles and then knowing that. Knowing what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Buckle up. Well, yeah. And I, I think it's it's just a testament to how, I mean, this has been said a million times at the pulpit, but I think it's a testament to how patient god is with us when we're messing up and can't get our our lives in order and we're not trusting him not being obedient not uh doing maybe what he's asked us to do or called us to do oh yeah uh his incredible patience with us is uh, i think that's a testament and it's i think having children is a learning experience in that he's a it's a tool he uses to let us know hey See how patient I am with you <laughs> yeah, yeah, when yeah, you're yeah. when you're screaming because you're not getting what you want, thirty year old. Yeah, yeah, and, that's and convicting, how, right? Right, yeah. How patient? God, I am answer with you. my prayers. <laughs> it's like uh, oh, you don't get it. It is, and uh, yeah, at the end of the night, it's like, man, Lord, I really failed tonight as a dad. <laughs> I didn't. I was not patient with my son. I was. I was not following your example of patience with me. Mm. I'm sorry. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and the, I found myself the other night. It was just an extra bad night. And going in the next morning to legend, be like, "I'm sorry, son. <laughs> I know you don't understand any of this. I just need to do this for myself. I I was impatient last night. That was not good. I I wanted to pull my hair out. I did not respond well. I'm sorry. Well, without further ado, why don't we get into the show? We're going to be interviewing uh, Jeff Kreiser today. So let's get into the show. I want to I want to welcome Jeff Kreiser to the show. Uh, Jeff is a uh, executive director of the Axe Group. Jeff, welcome to the show. Great to be on with you, Zach. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Axe Group, how you guys got started, what what your purpose is as a ministry, and uh, maybe a little bit of, of the cool stuff you guys are doing right now. Well, the Axe Group got started out of the Luis Palau Sacramento Festival in 2012. And there were a group of the leaders who were involved in helping put that on who said, 
hey, if we can cooperate on a big event like this that mobilizes many churches together to pray together, serve together, and uh, talk about Jesus together, uh, we want to keep doing that. So looking around Sacramento region, there wasn't any organization uh, that was devoted to doing that. There was no particular church that felt like they could take the lead and include a broad base of churches. And so the best walk forward really looked like forming a new organization to do that. And that was the inception of the Acts group. I was tapped on the shoulder to be the organizational developer for that, to take not something that was nothing or just kind of a stewardship handoff of names and organizations and churches that cooperated on that festival and to begin to build something that would cooperate in the areas of prayer service and evangelism for the region. So 2012, it's been about four years and we've seen kind of an Acts 1.0 period, which was honestly throwing stuff against the wall, seeing what would work, have events, um, you know, have great successes, have great failures and lean forward in that. And uh, we really began to understand in the summer of 2014, we needed to rally around a big initiative that was so big, no individual church or no uh, individual city or community could tackle it. It had to be big. And so um, we formed something called the Every School, Every Neighbor Initiative through some think tanks and then a, and a really a gold medal task force launched that in the summer of 2015, last summer. And I've seen great gains as uh, churches, nonprofits, businesses work together, partnering with local schools and beginning to say, what does it mean to share uh, the good news of Jesus with our neighbors? So it's been a fun journey, lots of ups and downs, not a merry-go-round that's very, you know, predictable and normal and goes in a circle. It's definitely a roller coaster I've never been on before. <laughs> and so, you know, just uh, kind of learning the ups and downs of it. And uh, it's been great. And I've gotten to work with incredible people who've made strategic contributions along the way. So so did, were you pulled out of a, a pastoral position to take this new position? How did that transition go for you? Yeah, for for my journey was I had actually been involved in this kind of ministry as I reflected back all the way back to my college days at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, um, kind of bringing together the campus Christian ministries to um, be able to do united uh, worship events at Cal Poly. And then um, some work that I did in Southern California and then in Modesto, California. So this wasn't unfamiliar to me. And in that process, I'd served in several capacities within local churches. Um, at the time of the Palau Festival, I was serving in a local church in Folsom called Lakeside Church. And I was working um, I was in charge of prayer ministry and uh, outreach and, and developing community partners and global partners for missions and evangelism training and that kind of a thing. So in some ways, I looked and said, well, um, the work that I was doing with one local congregation, I'm just now working with dozens and sometimes hundreds of congregations on similar kind of work. So that was kind of my journey in terms of leadership uh, into the role that I have now. Can you uh, so you talked a lot about the and mentioned the roller coaster ride that has been in you know, the different projects and just the journey that you've had. Uh, can you speak to the the hardest lessons that you've learned along the way? Well, and if I can step in real quick too, specifically, 
this kind of question came to me while you were talking. You guys are bringing together a bunch of church organizations that historically churches kind of want to do their own thing, right? They and and so how how are you guys um, getting churches on board to come together and work together and um, and and be a part of something? Maybe maybe not all the same denomination, right? Right. So how how's that? What's your approach to that, and how have you, have you seen challenges with that, successes with that? Well, the neat thing is, um, for anything that we do by which we have kingdom success, uh, most likely there was somebody who went before us that helped pave the way. So there were there was great leadership from uh, Henry Wells and Bishop Sherwood Carthen and others who'd broken down a lot of barriers and built a lot of bridges. Um, uh, people like Don Proctor in the the earlier versions of City Pastors Fellowship. Um, the work of Bryce Jessup and William Jessup University. So there was already a an environment that was welcoming, you know, cooperation. And so uh, there has definitely been some uh, highs and lows in terms of, of uh, people who are in or who are not in. I think some of the answering the question about lessons that that we've learned. Um, so in answering your question, Zach, uh Actually, we, we've seen a remarkable desire to cooperate. And I think partly it's being um, a Sacramento, California ministry in the sense that we're a very diverse population already. We're a pretty integrated population already. It's a part of the ethos, I think, of Sacramento to be open to others. And that's super helpful. And then also the fact that um, in California and on the West Coast in general, um, Practicing Christians or church-going Christians are a significant minority, and actually Christians are aware that they're a significant minority. You know, that's not true in all parts of the United States. And right. so as a minority voice or a minority group, you come at things a little bit differently and you realize your need for each other more than if you're um, a, a significantly um a, a, a majority minority, if that makes sense, <laughs> or, a, or a majority. And so uh, so those have been really helpful. But some of the challenges, honestly, have come about uh, regarding the, the interest and desire of leaders, pastors or other leaders, uh, versus their will to act. So people have a good theology about certain things and even a good thought structure about certain things, but moving that from interest to action is really, really hard, really challenging because most people, when they see what it's going to take to move something from a conceptual framework to an operational framework, they, they pull back and they shy away. Right. And so um, there are disappointments along the way about who wants to do something and they're not insincere. They are sincere. But the movement from interest to activity is super challenging. Um, so that's that's one thing. I think the other is that in certain pockets of the region of the Sacramento region, um, geographically and then also around certain issues there's still a, a real competitive mindset versus a cooperative mindset 
And so when there's a competitive mindset, um, you lose focus on the reality that there's a big goal, which is everybody knowing about Jesus and have an opportunity to respond to him. And you focus on your goal, which is sustainability, growth, health, glitz, glam, whatever, of your own local or personal effort in that in a local church or ministry. Um, within the nonprofit world, sometimes it's more expressed in terms of competition for funding um, in terms of uh, around certain causes or issues that people are working on. Um, sometimes that is is definitely still a reality and that undermines progress toward a bigger goal. Right. So is there, so what's your guys approach to handling, handling situations like that? Is, is it just, uh, I mean, that's, that's some hard positions to be in. Is there, is there just a trust in the Lord and prayer that, a lot of prayer that goes into that, or is there steps that you guys take strategies that you use um, to make that effective, that getting multiple organizations and multiple churches working together for the good of the kingdom? I, I think I, did, I will share two things. One is um, a general principle that we're applying organizationally. And one is a personal approach that I take. So first organizationally, uh, one of the things that we've learned in the last four years and we're applying in new ways in um, our Acts 3.0 phase, which we just launched this summer, is that people are NIMBY YIMBY people. So most people have heard of NIMBY, not in my backyard. But I also think that there's that the same people are YIMBY, yes, in my backyard. They want certain things happening in the area closest to them and with the people that they're closest to. And they also want to keep out or um, fight against things that they don't want. So the tighter the geography, the greater the ability to pull people together around um, a, an idea. Right. So, so as Acts Group was launched, the idea was that being a regional ministry, meaning a six county region, kind of the economic basis of the Sacramento Valley, so to say, a lot of other organizational units organize around that concept. And not long after we launched, we said, well, that's big. So we got to break it down to some areas and some communities that are, are more localized because Auburn is very different than Oak Park. Right. And Dixon is very different than West Sacramento. <laughs> so yeah. there's particularities to these different populations. And so um, I think that one of the ways that we're navigating that is focusing a lot more on those tighter geographical community or city areas. So um, because Rancho Cordova people are for Rancho Cordova and it's not that they hate Rosemont next door or despise Folsom, <laughs> but they're in Rancho Cordova and they care about Rancho Cordova and what happens in Rancho Cordova. So how do we achieve goals in Rancho Cordova for Rancho Cordova with Rancho Cordova money? Right. right? And uh, localize the impact. And, and we're pretty excited about that. I think on a personal level for me, so that's organizationally organizational wide is focusing on that reality and tightening the geography in which we focus. Secondly, personally, 
when I'm just, a, it's just me and another leader across the table. I'm not really one to call people out in a group, but if it's just myself and another leader, um, you know, I'll call them out. Uh, and and I'll, I'll try and do it in a kind way. Sometimes it might not feel kind. Uh, but but basically, I talk about their theological conceptual framework, their worldview, and how then that's being applied or not applied in their context and just saying um, and helping them to see a disconnect. And if that's really what they, you know, either getting to the root of it is that's not really what they believe or what they want to do or um, helping them find a way to yes, to actually trying something. Um, uh, and and oftentimes that's going to mean, you know, when we talk about unity or a unit in, in Acts group, our mission statement is activating United Gospel initiatives in communities and cities. So if we're activating United Gospel initiatives, what does United mean? And sometimes people think, well, United means there's 40 churches in Rancho Cordova. So, you know, United means 37 are on board. United Gospel Initiative could happen between two churches right. <laughs> or a church and a Christian nonprofit and a Christian business. And oftentimes it says, would I like to get to 30, 35, 40, 40 out of 40? Oh, that'd be awesome. Right. right. But but for building trust takes time and testing. And so sometimes it's with the resistance that you face is like, well, what if you just did something with someone who's mostly like you doing something little and and see if see if it works, you know, and hopefully they taste and see that the Lord is good, taste and see that ministry is good. And then they're willing to do it with two partners next time. Right. Or three partners and you grow unity over time rather than saying, well, we're not really going to do anything until we have 50 percent or more of the churches in a city on board. Right. No, you're never going to do anything. <laughs> too many people have too much baggage, too much history. So you got it. You got to build it incrementally. Mm -hmm. That's good. So you, you've mentioned a couple of times Acts 3.0. Um, and we've talked offline about this a little bit. But can you share some of your successes coming out of um, maybe this new transition period for the Axe group? Well, Axe 3.0, whenever you're launching or developing software or you're developing programming and you're using that kind of language, there's a continuity from what was to what is. So there is that continuity. So Axe 2.0 was uh, becoming our own nonprofit organization in conjunction with the National Foundation. It was... Uh, it was being able to develop our own business systems in our own office. It was the launching of the Every School, Every Neighbor initiative. Um, it was the launching of our convergence platform for leaders. So there were some really great successes in 2.0, and those are continuing into 3.0. Um, in 3.0, what we're, what we're seeking to do is to be able to get to the evangelistic aspect of what we're about by talking about United Gospel Initiatives, not only in terms of the unity of what we call constituents, two or three or five um, constituents in a, in a city, like three churches and a nonprofit and a business, and being able to help them think of a United Gospel Initiative, not just them being unified to provide backpacks to the local school, which is good, that's a service project, or to be united to have a, a prayer service 
on Good Friday, which is, you know, in the realm of prayer. But what does it mean to connect prayer and service and evangelism, sharing the gospel with your neighbor verbally or creating events and environments where people can learn about Jesus and respond to an invitation to to a relationship with God? And how do you do that in in a city over time? So now we are working with um, what we call cohorts of uh, churches in a community to think about what are they going to do in all three of those areas to lift up Christ over a three-year period. So we're now creating three-year plans for these communities that are informed by the constituents who are involved. So what's happening in Fair Oaks is unique and a little bit different than what's happening in Elk Grove, Mm -hmm. which is unique and different than what's happening in Auburn. And, um, and you know, the proof, well, we just launched that this summer. So we're just in the, in the launch stage of it. And <laughs> if you're listening at a later time, we're in the summer of 2016. So maybe we'll do a follow-up podcast in the summer of 2017. We can Perfect. give you an update on what's happened, but we're pretty excited about having specific activators, people who are experts in uh, prayer training and mobilization and service training and mobilization school partnership uh, um, development and also, uh, evangelism, friendship, evangelism training, and helping people understand how they are already a, uh, missionary, or they're already a, uh, God's right woman or God's right man in the context in which they work or go to school or do life. Um, we're pretty excited. And the feedback we've been getting from pastors and church leadership is they're pretty excited about, uh, the church becoming more externally focused and and understanding what it means to be the church uh, where people are living throughout the week, as well as celebrating all the good things that have happened as you gather together on a Saturday or a Sunday at church. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Um, so what's your approach, Jeff, for, for fundraising and, and how how has that potentially evolved through the Axe Group 2.0 to 3.0? Um, or has it been consistent? Um, how does that how does that approach kind of fit with with the whole um, you know the whole group? Yeah, so fundraising is a challenge for every nonprofit. And so we in Acts 1.0, um, off of the momentum of the festival and the interest of those initiators, there was some some funding that came in kind of for the launch phase. So there was a little bit of a cushion of money, um, kind of angel investor kind of money saying, hey, this is a good idea. We want to get behind it. And so that came, that money came in knowing that we had about two years and we had to come up with a sustainable funding plan as we moved into 2.0. And as we moved into 2.0, we tried two different traditional models of fundraising. Um, and one was a, going to be a cooperative effort with another local ministry um, for church-based funding, where churches would include us in like their missions budget or whatever. And um, on the heels of that, doing more of a traditional, um, we didn't do it like a big banquet like some nonprofits do, but we had desserts and we had um, uh, coffees and that kind of a thing, casting vision and developing personal donors. And um, neither of those things produced much uh financial, ongoing financial support at all, honestly. 
it didn't didn't really work, which helped push us to think through um, a new model or a different model. And I have had the privilege of connecting with leaders from about um, 50 other cities nationwide. And some of them have had innovative models. Other people have been blessed with very rich friends. And, <laughs> you know, there's there's nice. things that happen that are like, I wish that. I mean, honestly, you're listening to this podcast going, I want one of those rich uncle <laughs> friends. In the, and, you know, it's God's family. God knows all those rich uncles. Can you send me one? So, um, <laughs> but, but honestly, that's not, that's, that's the exception rather than the rule. So in our Acts 3.0 strategic, um, uh, thinking, we had a strategic review board that worked from April to June of 2016. And where we really landed was a fee for service model combined with a matching model of, of personal donations. So as constituents in a local community or city engage the work of the Axe Group, there is a, 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 a fee that would be involved for that three-year process working with Axe Group. And uh, we share that with the constituents and part of their agreement is to pay that amount. However, it happens. You know, they could know a rich uncle. They more likely know a rich uncle than you or me, right? right. So there might be somebody who like, loves, loves, loves Placerville, and they want to put, drop a chunk of cash into something that's going to help Placerville people know Jesus. So again, it's it's generating money from within that community or city to do ministry in that community or city. And then um, that's really half of what's needed to do the work for three years. The other half comes through Axe Group's efforts with what we call advocates. Advocates are people who have given to Axe Group previously or may in the future, they provide matching money to the local constituents through, um, you know, personal donations, family foundation grants, maybe business business gift or whatever that matches that money. And that's how we anticipate moving forward with a financially sustainable model. Uh, we're in the process of launch. So this can be another subject as I see you writing down notes. <laughs> to revisit a year from now, uh, because um, some people that I know that understand national, the national landscape of this particular kind of ministry doesn't know anywhere else that's using that kind of model, nor have they ever heard of it. So either we heard from God, it's inventive and it will be fruitful, or it'll <laughs> be another failed attempt to raise money. Uh, but it is a model by which uh, the ministry can move forward with hours for employees or hiring or contract work where uh, we know we have the money to pay whatever contract we enter into. And that that became very important to me over the last year, year and a half. Um, myself as an executive director, every executive director I've ever known um, has had one or more times where they're deciding which bills to pay at the end of the month rather than having an excess of money. Right. Uh, and so, you know, we had those that our share of those experiences as well. And, um, you know, I don't run my household that way. <laughs> I don't want to run a ministry that way either. And I don't think God, if he's our father and this is his ministry, he wants it run that way either. So we've got to find a way to, to if this is valuable, if this um, idea or work 
has real value, then money can be attached to that value. Right. And so if you're listening again and you run a nonprofit, you have to find what your value proposition is. What is it that you do that no one else can do or that you do that no one else can do better than you? And you have to you have to help whoever is receiving those services understand that value translates to money so that you can buy bread and pay your rent. Right. And, and a part of that is, is figuring out how to tell your story. Right. So how do you, you guys have a unique story. You're doing something unique, um, at, at least in this area and region. So how do you, how do you go about telling your story and getting that out there to your supporters and your donors and um, people you're hopeful that will invest in what you guys are doing? We're going to, we're going to keep doing better at this. We've been, we believed a lot in video pieces. So we've produced um, in our first four years, over 70 video pieces, um, whether it's meet a movement leader videos or convergence videos where leaders share um, on a particular subject. Um, we've done videos. Uh, we have a great video related to our every school partnership effort uh, that we did in conjunction with and um, funded by a national ministry, Be Undivided, um, in conjunction with the Expectations Project. So we really believe that video is a way, the best way to tell the story. Um, as you alluded to earlier, we've had and de developed podcasting. Uh, as a way to be able to tell the story. And then also, um, we really believe in regular communication through um, visual or visually oriented um, social media and visually oriented um, newsletters. And by that, I mean um, more pictures than text and being able to make sure that uh, people attach uh, a words or a story with a text. And um, so obviously Instagram's the best environment to do that. Facebook is fine. Um, if you tweet now, you know, of course we can tweet images, we can sh and tweet links for videos. Um, so we're excited about that. We haven't yet, we've talked about it, but we haven't talked yet about the best ways to use Periscope or um, Facebook Live or other live streaming that we can do during events. Uh, we have our Q Commons Sacramento event coming up on October 13th, and we're talking about how we can better share the good thing that's happening in that environment. But uh, we do rely upon uh, what I call push-pull communication. So you wanna push something toward people, um, and you you are, uh, Reliant is a creative agency that can can help people with this, but the idea of being able to whet people's appetite, create a tease, tell a story right there. So if they don't click pass, they, that that's fine. But it it can draw them in then to a website where you can have the full your full world, your full cosmos uh, of everything you do, and people can get lost in that cosmos for a period of time and figure out what you do. But that idea where you can push something out and pull. Of course, the dream of all of us that you do a video or you do something that goes viral and gives you your, you know, 50 seconds of fame. We haven't had that. We haven't had that yet. <laughs> we'll see if we get it at some point. Well, and, and more than that, just the consistency of it, making sure that you're, it's just not a, a once a month or a once 
every quarter thing that you're producing, but you're producing con- consistent content that your uh, supporters and donors can, uh, or your audience can uh, expect. Yeah. 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 That's good. For our leader piece from July of 15 through June of 16, we had a weekly radio show, a weekly podcast, and a weekly um, little uh, visual rich newsletter that went out with a video link in it, populating our Vimeo. So we ran that for a full year. Um, we reran some things on holidays so that we didn't waste material when people weren't looking. But we, we put out about 40, uh, between 40 and 45 original pieces in a year. Um, we took July and August off. We were coming back in September, doing it twice a month instead of every week um, on our convergence.world website. Um, that's to encourage leaders in terms of cultural engagement um, in conjunction with Q uh, Ideas, a national group that encourages people to stay curious, think well, and advance good in their communities. So we're pretty excited about that. Mm. Awesome. Jeff, how, how are you working discipleship into your programs, even if you aren't discipleship, quote unquote, discipleship focused? So, you, so you've mentioned in this this next stage of Acts group, you guys are really focusing on that evangelism piece. What are some of the uh, strategies maybe you guys are using to work discipleship making into that um, approach? So we come at discipleship in this way. One is that um, you're going to get a foundation of teachings when you come into um, a relationship with God. And hopefully that foundation is set well within the context of a local church or with a discipler or in crew or in InterVarsity or wherever, you know, you find your people find their way toward Jesus. Um, the falling down of discipleship in the North American church is actually doing stuff. So you learn about evangelism, but you never do it. You learn about prayer, but you do it not much. (laughs) You learn about serving, but you don't do it. So, you know, in terms of our contribution to discipleship for the local church is, in essence, creating lab classes for the lecture classes. So oftentimes Sunday is a lecture, Mm -hmm. um, hopefully a good lecture from the pastor (laughs) or from a Sunday school class or an adult group or kids ministry you're you're learning things with your head, but then you've got to go do them. And left to ourselves, I don't know. Maybe we're a little lazy. Maybe we're forgetful. I don't know. Maybe. But the translation from knowledge to doing it is oftentimes there's a disconnect. Right. So how do we create lab environments where groups of Christians who probably go to several different churches begin to prayer walk in the community, to go out to where people are to pray or to pray in a park, not just pray in a church. Um, How do we teach people or show people how to do that? Um, What does it mean to set up a tent at the farmer's market and give away free stuff? And people go, why are you giving away free stuff? And you're like, well, because we're followers of Jesus and we receive grace freely from God. And this is a reminder to us and to you that that God's offer of love to you is free. He welcomes you for who you are, you know, and I give him a free hacky sack or something. (laughs) These are just, you know, I'm just popping with ideas here, but, but it's actually creating lab environments that are conducive to that particular community or city 
that puts Christians where people actually are doing the barbecue in the center courtyard of an apartment complex for people who don't usually cook for themselves or eating takeout or they're at the food bank and they get food that might not work into a menu. <laughs> but you go there and you, you, you barbecue about 200 chicken legs and, you know, you have a good time and you build relationship and and love love on people. You know, how can we do more of that? Right. Now, again, there are congregations doing that. Um, but it's not connected to a one or two or a three year plan to do it more and better and to have continual deployment and presence in the community and not just a, oh, we check that off the list for the year type of an, uh, of an attitude. Yeah. Well, and I, one of the things that you said was having, having a barbecue at, throughout scripture, we see Jesus and his, his disciples eating with others and, and communing over a meal. And I think that that is such an easy way, uh, applicable way that we can build relationships with people that no, don't know Jesus is just invite those friends, those people that don't know him over to your house mm-hmm. and have a meal together, share um, conversations over a meal. And oftentimes out of that comes some of the best um, conversations and opportunities to um, share the love of Jesus and, and build deep, intimate relationships with people that don't know him. So Yes, that's, that's good. For sure. Well, Jeff, um, I want to be respectful of your time, but this has been awesome. I think this is going to add a ton of value to our listeners, and uh, we just want to thank you so much for being a part of this and and spending some of your time to um, help other ministries grow. Uh, before we get off, can we pray for you and your ministry? That would be great. Awesome, uh, Father. We just want to lift up Jeff and the Axe Group. Axe Group. Uh, we pray that you would just do amazing things to this ministry who has um, just stepped out in faith to be obedient to your calling, to uh, invest in the local church and your community and your people, uh, to build disciples and uh, build relationships with people that don't know you. I pray that you would uh, just uh, do an, an amazing work through Jeff and his team, uh, and I pray that your kingdom would come through them. Uh, thank you that they have been faithful to your call, Lord. Uh, just pray that blessings over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Jeff. We really appreciate your time, and uh, this has been awesome. Thanks for inviting me on the inaugural broadcast of uh, this new, excellent, reliant broad, uh, podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll be in touch. One last thing. How can, how can viewers or listeners get a hold of you and follow along with what you guys are doing? That's great. If you've been listening and this has uh, made you curious— you can look at our main website, which is actsonline.net. That's A-C-T-S, like the book of Acts, actsonline, one word, dot net. And if you go on actsonline.net, uh, that will be a portal for you to our three other websites that support service, prayer, and leadership. And uh, late in 2016, we'll be adding our last uh, website to our family of websites, that's going to focus on uh, evangelism, uh, training, and activation. So we're excited for that. That'll be gospelx.net. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jeff, and uh, have a good rest of your evening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. 
We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.